episode of the Cover Zero podcast, the show where I cover the least in the best way possible. I'm your host, Jason Wells. Championship games are done. What a weekend of football that was. One game left on the schedule. Uh, little, little bittersweet, but we have a great matchup. Obviously, it is the Chiefs and the 49ers. And we got some things to talk about. We got to talk about one team absolutely just not showing up and the other one blowing a big, big lead in the second half. Um, but yeah, this episode basically just going to be a uh, recap show of the championship games, try to cover basically everything. And then, um, yeah, and then obviously the NFL weekly update, because like always, we have a lot of new coaching and GM news. Uh, yeah, anything to really lead off the lead off the show with obviously uh now i'll i'll talk about that at the end and future schedule because i'd like to do two episodes a week up until the super bowl then i'll switch over to the one a week but either way i'll get into it at the end of the episode let's start off with the nfl weekly update starting off with the biggest news and from today uh ben johnson is staying in detroit he is turning down uh I mean, technically not turning down because the jobs weren't officially his from the Commanders and the Seahawks. I think he was the front runner, though, for both of those jobs, per my sources. Um, obviously, I don't have any. But, um, yeah, Ben Johnson is staying in Detroit. That is fantastic for Detroit. And we'll talk about Detroit and their future, like, after. But let's just strictly talk about off-season stuff. Um a little shocking that a guy would turn down two very good head coaching jobs. Uh, again, not confirmed two, but we'll say two head coaching jobs. The Seattle job, I mean, one of the best organizations, best ran organizations for the last decade or so. Very good roster in place, above their average QB starter right now. Obviously, you'd like something better in Geno and the Commanders, where... They've got some nice pieces, but obviously the enticing thing is picking number two overall. Drake May, Jaden Daniels, take your pick at quarterback. Um, and he said no to both of those jobs. Um, takes a lot of balls. And obviously his uh, the number that was floated around out there for what he wanted is around $15 million. And that might be the number to just to kind of get him out, get him out of Detroit, he obviously loves it there. Dan Campbell is clearly building a culture and a staff that people love to play for, love to come into work every day. And you can't really put a number on that. Um, And yeah, I'll talk about more of the Lions' uh, future outlook, obviously, uh, when we get to them. But uh, a little shocking for these two, for him to just kind of pull out of the head coaching search. Uh, now, the Seahawks and Commanders, where do they go? Obviously, Mike Vrabel's still available. Mike McDonald, the Ravens defensive coordinator, he's still available. Um, so I guess we'll see, really, at this point. Um, maybe Bill Belichick? That was always kind of a sneaky Commander's name, so uh, I guess we shall see. Um, 
We got two coordinators now in Philly. Uh, Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman made the hires. Uh, Vic Fangio in at defensive coordinator. And uh, I wrote down Brandon Staley, but they're basically the same guy. Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore is the uh, new Eagles offensive coordinator. We'll start off with Fangio. Obviously, just left Miami. I thought he did a very good job given the talent that he had, especially towards the end. Um, I just don't think he gelled with the culture and some of the guys in Miami, uh, which is fine. He's a dinosaur, but to be a coach, and I think this new version of the NFL, you got to get along with your players. That's just kind of a, you just kind of have to at this point. It doesn't matter how long you've been around. If you're 65 plus, you better be a damn good guy or else your players are not going to like you very much. Um, either way, it's a very good hire. Obviously, he came in with Philly on their Super Bowl run to help the defense. Um, so the guys kind of know him already. Obviously, one of the best defensive minds of this century. So good hire there. Uh, Kellen Moore, on the other hand. Didn't do a lot with the Chargers last year. Obviously, they were banged up basically the whole season, but the offense did not look good. He had a good track record in Dallas, but same thing, obviously. Not as good as it probably could have been. Obviously, some mishaps and play calling, but this is this is a good staff. I am very okay if I am any Eagles fan going into the staff with, okay, we got Fangio at DC and Kellen Moore at offensive coordinator. Two guys who have proven that they are good at those roles and not just kind of hire internally and hope that those guys are actually good at their jobs. Um, things should be more cohesive next year for the Eagles, and that's what they need at this point is stability, co- cohesiveness, yada, yada, yada. Um, so I like those hires. Next up, Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith is uh, the new Steelers offensive coordinator. Initial thoughts was, okay, that's fine, I guess. Um, But then you have to remember that Arthur Smith did do some nice things in Tennessee when they had A.J. Brown. Maybe that's George Pickens and Ryan Tannehill throwing the ball. Now, obviously, the Steelers don't have prime Derrick Henry, and that's a big factor, but um, it'll be interesting to see how this offense shapes up and how it does look come week one. Um, I think that Arthur Smith is going to love a guy like Darnell Washington, one of my draft crushes from last year. The guy is an athlete. The guy is huge. The guy can move. Um, and I think that Arthur Smith will get, will find a way to get him involved in the offense probably. Um, kind of a nothing hire, but not, again, not a terrible hire. Um... Keep going. The Bills have their new defensive and offensive coordinators, both hiring from within. We'll start off with the offensive coordinator. Joe Brady has now taken off that interim tag. He is now their official offensive coordinator. Obviously took over from Ken Dorsey after Dorsey got fired. And the offense statistically didn't really improve or diminish, but I think it was a new voice and it was a more balanced approach more than anything. And the Bills season clearly turned around, and obviously a big part of that was for the defense too. And uh, Sean McDermott is now has a defense coordinator. If you didn't know, he didn't have a defensive coordinator last year. He was basically the defensive guy, defensive play caller. And now he has trusted uh, linebackers coach Bobby Babich to 
take that role. If you have not heard that name, I'm, that's okay. A lot of people haven't. Uh, he is the Bills linebackers coach. Um, Bills linebackers have been historically one of their better units despite injuries uh, over the years. But they, um, basically what he is, he is a defensive version of Mike McDaniel when the way he talks about the game and his movements and his mannerisms. Uh, yeah, he's just basically a big nerd like McDaniel, but on the defensive side of the ball, uh, he got quite a few defensive coordinator uh, job offers this year, but he is staying in Buffalo. It's a pretty strong staff. Um, obviously, they have some things to work out, but we got a whole offseason to talk about that stuff. But uh, good for Bobby Babich and Joe Brady uh, staying in Buffalo. We have a GM hire. Um, Joe Horitz is the new Chargers general manager. Again, if you don't know the name Joe Hortz, I don't know why you would. But now you know. He was with the Ravens basically since the inception of the franchise and working his way up all the way to, uh, I think, the president of pro personnel. He started off as as an assistant. Went to assistant, went to pro scout, went to national scout. Then he was the head of their scouting department, moved over to player personnel but yeah he's been around the entire Ravens franchise and one thing this Ravens franchise has been since their conception basically is a good always consistently run franchise good at drafting and I'm sure Joe had his hand in that uh hand in that drafting and the roster construction but he's learned from some of the best obviously Ozzie Newsom the first GM and now uh Eric Eric DaCosta, the current GM. So now uh, the Chargers seemingly get a very, very good GM. Well-deserved. Um, and yeah, the Chargers uh, Twitter made a joke where they got the three JHs now. They got Justin Herbert, Jim Harbaugh, and now Joe Horitz. Um, yeah, I honestly, I think like it's hard to say like with a GM hire if it's going to be a good one, but... I do think the Chargers have nailed this offseason. Now, they have a lot of things to do to be cap compliant, lots of contracts to restructure, but um, I think that they'll be okay. I think that, and I think that this is, they have a good structure, but we've said it a lot from the Chargers, and it's never mattered. They are cursed for a reason. Let's see if anything will change for next year. Um, one last offensive coordinator signing, Brad Idzik is the new Panthers offensive coordinator following Dave Canales from Tampa. He was the, uh, Bucks wide receivers coach. Now Panthers offensive coordinator, uh, only 32. He's another one of these hot young rising names and, uh, he follows his boy Dave to Carolina. So we'll see how that goes. Both of those guys have their work cut out for them. Because that offense was smelly, smelly, smelly last year. Um, Again, it's kind of tough with the offense coordinator notes because I don't know how many people really dive deep into the coaching ranks and be like, oh, that linebacker's coach, other than for, like, your own teams. Like, oh, that linebacker's coach, I know him. He's an up-and-comer. Like, that doesn't happen. They're not as entertaining as the players, and that's why we like the players so much more than the coaches. Um... Yeah, and final note, uh, 
Christian Juszczyk, uh wife of Niners fullback Kyle Juszczyk. She has reached an agreement with the NFL for an official branding deal. If you haven't heard this story, uh, she has been making custom jackets and outfits for people like Taylor Swift and Chiefs Apparel or Taylor Lautner with the Lions stuff. Um, Simone Biles and Packers gear. Uh, and I, and her stuff is like very original and very cool. And this is great on the NFL to actually get her involved because their women's line is just like, ah, it's pink. Look at that, a pink jersey. It's not really anything. Um, so good for the NFL for doing this. Honestly, uh, I'm shocked that the NFL didn't give her like a cease and desist because that seems something like that they would do. But no, they actually they did the right thing for once in their lives and being like, wow, she's very good at this. We can capitalize on this while still giving her like all the credit smart move by the NFL and congrats to Kristen Juszczyk if I don't know how long this deal is going to stay in place but wouldn't shock me if she ends up with more uh career earnings from from the NFL than her husband does so uh hats off there and I guess now let's get into this championship weekend recap starting off with the afternoon game AFC Championship game, Chiefs 17, Ravens 10. I, Pat Mahomes does it again. Again, he didn't have to be otherworldly, but he did exactly what he needed to do. Um, And we will start off with the winning team, which is the Chiefs, because I have way more to talk about on the Ravens and how bad their game plan was and how things just went horribly wrong and blah, blah, blah. But um, this Chiefs team capitalized on every level. They were playing a very good Ravens defense, and they scored early and striked early before um, the Ravens could really hunker down and bunker up and be able to stop them, but Mahomes only missed nine passes on the day, 30 of 39, 241 yards, passing TD. The run game was stopped. Pacheco only 68 yards for a 2.8 average. Um, But really, the story was this defense and all of the big opportunities that they gave this Chiefs team. Um, Obviously, uh, the Zay Flowers fumble into the end zone by Legereus Sneed. Legereus Sneed, an all-pro for a reason. Uh, that was a huge momentum builder, the Lamar interception. I mean, that was just a bad throw more than a good interception. But this Chiefs D stepped up, and they're back in the Super Bowl. They're back in the Super Bowl. And Pat Mahomes has essentially uh, matched paid Manning in terms of... Uh, Actually, I'll talk about that in a bit. I, I will talk about the defense more. Like, they were so disruptive on the offensive line, or on the Ravens' offensive line, as I said. Chris Jones, absolute monster. He hits a million-dollar uh, incentive in his contract since they made the Super Bowl again. Big ups to him. Uh, Charles Menehue had a game before he tore his ACL. That's a big one for this upcoming Super Bowl, obviously, but... Uh, Karlaftis played well. The linebacker, it's just truly, truly hats off to this Chiefs defense because I said it at the start of the year and I said it throughout the year. This is going to be the year where 
if the offense can just pick up a little bit more than what they were in the uh, during the season, this defense is good enough to carry to a certain point, and that's what they did in this one. Uh, but yeah, what I was saying, Pat Mahomes has now basically in the first uh, full six, uh, sorry, and Pat Mahomes' six seasons of his career so far, not really counting his rookie year, so his six full seasons, uh, 14 playoff wins, two Super Bowl wins, four Super Bowl appearances. Peyton Manning in 17 seasons, 14 playoff wins, two Super Bowl wins, four Super Bowl appearances. Pat Mahomes in almost a third of the seasons has matched QB legend, Hall of Famer, Peyton Manning in playoff accolades, essentially. Uh, It's incredible. And the people who, and there are people out there who continue to discount Pat Mahomes and his greatness. And they're, they're seeing us propping up Pat Mahomes as a way to tear down Brady. And some people are. There are a lot of stupid talking media heads that like, yeah, the, oh, Pat Mahomes is on pace to beat, uh, to pass Tom Brady in like goat levels. I will say this, Pat, Pat Mahomes will never pass Tom Brady as the goat. I'll put a caveat, I'll put an asterisk on that. I think Pat Mahomes needs five Super Bowls, four MVPs, and for him to pass most of Tom Brady's career, like the touchdown numbers and the yards numbers, which he might just because we're in a much more pass-happy era than when Tom started his career. But um, he would need all of that, and two of those Super Bowls would have to be with a different head coach other than Andy Reid for me to consider him to even have a conversation to be the GOAT. And he will never be the GOAT for this one reason, though. Pat Mahomes has lost three times in the playoffs, once to Joe Burrow, twice to Tom Brady. Tom Brady beat him in a Super Bowl. Tom Brady beat him to go to a Super Bowl and then won that Super Bowl. Basically, there's a two-Super two Bowl swing in the Pat Mahomes-Brady debate, and the fact that Brady beat him Twice is uh, huge, and I just don't think, I mean, it would be the equivalent of if a 40-year-old MJ beat LeBron to take away LeBron's, like, first ring, essentially. Um, yeah, it's and again, it's wild for me to say, I'm a Dolphins fan. I disrespected Brady for a lot of the my first part of my fandom. Again, I was in high school and a child. But since that Falcons game, it has been unquestioned who is the best quarterback of this generation. And I've been watching back the 10s Super Bowls, because that's an episode I'm going to do. Sneak peek, I'm going to rank all of the 10s Super Bowls. Um, So yeah, I've watched a lot of Tom Brady recently. And Tom Brady, when it matters, he steps up and plays phenomenal football. Something like Pat Mahomes is doing. But uh, either way, just to say, Pat Mahomes is on another level of anyone and his tight end counterpart, Travis Kelsey is also doing things that I didn't think that were going to be possible. He passed, uh, or he is now, uh, now has the most career playoff catches passing Jerry Rice. You don't see a lot of Jerry Rice records and like longevity records getting passed. Uh, like, again, the duo is 
phenomenal, probably the best QB tight end duo in history. And I know Tom Brady and Gronk, but like Gronk and Kelsey are just such different players. It's hard to really compare. Um, I don't know this, this chiefs team again, they were underdogs in this one. It's the same rule for Tom Brady. You can't, if the Pats were an underdog, you bet them. If the Chiefs are an underdog, you bet them. And the Chiefs are going to be an underdog in the Super Bowl. Should probably bet them. Should probably bet them. Um, any other things? Oh, yeah. Big shout out to MVS, who he heard all of the allegations and all of the slander him during the season. It's like, oh, you're a bum. You got an $11 million cap hit and you're a detriment to the team. Uh, he has shown up in the playoffs. He has made multiple 25-plus-yard catches in big, big moments for this team. And those moments have been part of the reasons why they won those games. Obviously, he had the two big catches against the Bills. He had the uh, long third-down catch to basically seal the game against the Ravens. Um so shout out to MVS. He's actually trying to help his team now where a lot of the wide receivers weren't. Uh, anything else to talk about the Chiefs? I guess since we're talking about bad wide receivers, I can bring up uh, Kadarius Tony was inactive in this one. Uh, he was held out due for injury, but also personal reasons. I think he was having a kid, but uh, he went on Instagram Live to be like, I'm not injured. They're just sitting me, blah, blah, blah. And people are like, oh, it's a bad look for the Chiefs. The rest are like, they're saying he's injured when he's not. And it's like, the Chiefs were honestly doing him a favor. Kadarius Toney has not been good. He's the reason they won the Super Bowl last year, but he has been terrible this year. Um, and him saying that it's like, oh, he's not playing because he's injured is good for him and future NFL career-wise than being like, oh, no, we're just sitting him because he fucking sucks. And we don't want him on the football field anymore. Uh, so yeah, so Kadarius Tony, you're a bum. Um, I, I guess, yeah, let's, let's keep going. Let's talk about the other team in this matchup here. The Ravens, uh, the, one of the best teams or the best team this season, they killed so many teams above 500 teams, by multiple touchdowns, and they decided to have their worst game of the season in the playoffs. Um, and in the AFC Championship game, no less. There was a lot of allegations of Lamar going into this one. It would be like, you're a playoff choker. You can't do it. And a lot of those allegations were proven right. Um, I think allegations like that are stupid because it looks at one thing and not the overall data of it and just blaming one player is stupid because a lot of things went wrong in this one that were beyond Lamar's control. Now, Lamar did put up a stinker. Um, I was shocked that it seemed like there was times where he was like a half second too late to really scramble and get those yards. Uh, but the overall lack of a running game from this team blew me away. The Ravens, since Lamar, uh, and especially this season, have been the number one running team in football. It's what they do. It's their identity. They run the football well, and they hit their spots. They hit their chunks. Because Lamar is a good passer, 
but he the offense is great elite when that running game is working. That's a huge part for it. And for some reason, they only decided to run the ball eight times with running backs in this one. Gus Edwards, three carries for 20 yards. Obviously, you can look at that average. He had a pretty good average, but nope, they decided to not give him the ball. Justice Hill didn't really have a great day. Oh, I'm sorry. I take it back. It's not even... We got six carries to running backs and eight carries with two to Zay Flowers. Um, But either way, a team where your whole philosophy on offense is establishing the run and grinding these teams down. So then your offense with all of your weapons like Zay Flowers and OBJ and Bateman and Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely can get open and you can wear this team down. And they just decided to not play like the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday. And it blew me away. Um, Todd Munkin has a lot of questions to answer. It was a terrible game plan. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I saw Gus Edwards get one carry for 15 yards in the first half and being like, they have to run the ball. They have to establish the run in the second half or they're not going to win this game. And I saw his live line was 25 and a half. I'm like, he's going to get 10 more yards. Of course he's going to get 10 more yards. Uh, No, he only got five more yards and two more carries on the day. Great job, Ravens. Great job, me. Uh, Should stop live betting too. That's probably not good. But um, I don't know. I I was shocked. And I mean, we can talk about the offense and I can blame Todd Munkin and the lack of a running game on the Ravens. But let's talk about Lamar. Lamar also did not play well in his passing situations. He took deep shots where he wasn't even close to throwing to the guy. There was a couple to OBJ where he missed him by four or five yards. There was one to Nelson Aguilar where he missed him by quite a few yards. Um, And the penalties, the penalties are what absolutely killed them. I mean, on that Zay Flowers drive, he had the taunt and we'll get to the taunt in a bit, but there was that taunting call that moved them back, and then obviously they don't get the touchdown. Uh, there was a couple roughing the passers and just kind of unsportsmanlike conducts. Like, you can't have, you can't be that undisciplined. And again, the AFC Championship game, the second biggest game on your schedule other than the Super Bowl, um, was truly a terrible, terrible game from the Ravens, top to bottom. Um Obviously, shout out to the defense. The defense played great. The defense always plays well. Um, But uh, actually, that's one thing I have to shout out is a shout out to uh, the Ravens, or not the Ravens, the Chiefs offensive line and Nick Allegretti especially. So he is the last offensive lineman who was on that uh, Bucks, uh, Bucks Chiefs Super Bowl run, obviously the run where that offensive line got eaten up in the Super Bowl. Um, but he is still here. He is on this team and he needed to step up big with Joe Tooney with a torn pack being out in this one. And he did. The Chiefs offensive line did what they needed. They set the tone early enough. They got their yards in the first half and then the Ravens defense set in, but it was already too late because the Chiefs defense was playing so, so well. Um, What else do we have to... Yeah, um, and yeah, I guess we can talk about that taunting call. Uh, 
I'm of the opinion where, well, I guess it's kind of like two different thoughts on this. I think the taunting should be allowed. I think that these players literally put their lives on the line and their bodies on the line. They should be able to do whatever the hell they want within reason. Obviously, like you can't have like, I don't even know, but within reason, I shouldn't have to explain what within reason was, but I think games like this that mean so much, players get emotional. Who cares if you flex over a guy and spin the ball at him? Like big fucking deal. Just get him back next play type thing. Um, However, it has been made very, very clear time and time again by the refs and by the NFL. You can't do that. Like you just simply cannot taunt in that fashion. And they're going to give you a flag. Now, I'm still, again, I think taunting should be allowed. And, but you gotta, like, you gotta know the rules and you gotta follow the rules. Anyone blaming, uh, oh, the refs were, the refs were on KC. No, most of the Ravens' penalties were self inflicted and very stupid. And part of the reason why that cost them the game. Uh, I didn't talk about the Lamar interception. I'm kind of all over the place, but throwing in the triple coverage to Isaiah Likely, uh, when all you needed was a field goal um, at that point. Dumb, dumb moves. Uh, Yeah, but the Lamar controversy is also not even controversy, but the Lamar disrespect is getting out of control. The man is about to win his second MVP. Um, In terms of, like, legacy right now with, like, this generation of QBs, it's, like... Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and then, like, no one else. Brock Purdy is probably going to be third after the Super Bowl. Like, maybe. Like, think about it. Pat Mahomes is so far ahead. Then you have Lamar Jackson with two MVPs. And then the next two guys are going to be Brock Purdy and Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, who haven't accomplished anything. Now... Purdy can actually win a Super Bowl in a couple weeks. We'll see if it happens and that where, but like the fact that Brock Purdy is probably the third best quarterback of this generation right now is a little insane. And that's not to disrespect Brock Purdy. We'll get into the Brock Purdy stuff. Um, Ravens offseason talk though, a little bit here. So some pending free agents for this Ravens team. Uh, Justin Matabuki, uh, Patrick Queen, Geno Stone, Jadavian Clowney, Kyle Van Noy, Kevin Zeitler, Odell Beckham Jr., Gus Edwards, Ronald Darby, J.K. Dobb, Dobbins, Arthur Mollette, N- Nelson Aguilar, and Tyler Huntley. Usually when the list is that long, um, I usually kind of stop halfway through because like the other half of the list is just kind of like role players, spot starters, more bench guys than, more bench guys than anything. All the players I listed were like, starters at one point or another for this Ravens team uh, during the season. Justin Matabuke is going to get a massive contract, as he should for the Ravens. He was a force this year. Uh, Patrick Queen is awesome, opposite Roquan Smith. He also needs to come back. Geno Stone, I think, had five interceptions on the year. He has been awesome in that safety role. Clowney had the best year of his career under the Ravens. Kyle Van Noy, just solid. Kevin Zeitler, just solid. OBJ, not what he used to be. But again, as a wide receiver, three slash two, not half bad. Uh, 
Gus Bus, solid. Dob- Darby, solid. J.K. Dobbins, I mean, so many injuries. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, not great, but he's not bad. And then Tyler Huntley, very good backup. Um, yeah, so the Ravens have a lot of offseason moves. Like, that's the thing. This was it for the Ravens. Not like saying, oh, they won't get back to a Super Bowl, but like, this was their chance. This was their year. The Kansas, this Kansas City team is not built. Or mm, how am I trying to say this? Like the Chiefs were having a down year. If any team, <coughs> oh Jesus, sorry. If any team in the AFC was going to come out and make it to a Super Bowl this year, this would have been the year. But the Ravens just—I don't know—worst game plan. They could have had very bad performances, but uh, the Ravens also one of these better teams over the last 20 or this in the last, oh my God. The Ravens have been one of the better teams this century anyways. Uh, they have one of the best QBs in the league. They will be back. They just need some roster retooling. Uh, so let's... Let's move on here and let's go to the Lions and 49ers game. Lions 31, 49ers 34. This was a game where it looked over. It looked over at half. Um, I think it was 24 to 7 going in at half. Looked like it was over and then... Huge, massive comeback, rally from 17 down, uh, 24 to 7 at half, I should say. But yeah, massive comeback. Niners are now in the Super Bowl. Um, I honestly couldn't believe it. I was watching the first half of the game, and then I had football. I had to go to my own game. So it was halftime as I was driving there, and then I was watching, and I was able to see the... uh, the Ayuk touchdown was the last thing I saw, basically, before I went on the field. Uh, and then I came back off, and then, boom, Niners win. What the fuck? What the fuck happened? And, yeah, obviously coming back, rewatching or watching the second half for the first time. Um, a lot, a lot happened. Uh, and hmm, where, where, where do we want to start here? Let's uh, obviously start off with the Niners. And let's start off with Brock Purdy, I guess. Brock Purdy, that is the difference between those Niners and these Niners, is Brock Purdy at quarterback. Jimmy G would have never been able to do what Brock Purdy just did for this Niners team. And I said the same thing about when they beat the Packers and they needed him on that last drive, and he stepped up. He stepped up that entire second half. They scored points on every drive, I'm pretty sure. Um, and that's the thing. And other than the should-have-been interception by uh, Kendall Vildor uh, on the Lions, right off his face mask, right into the hands of Ayuk, it, everything was money. He was scrambling around. He was making people miss. He was getting yards with his legs. He was hitting the shots on third down. Like, he did everything a quarterback you need to do in those spots. And... He silenced a lot of people, and a lot of people still aren't really giving him the credit. But we don't have to live in absolutes. I don't know why we have to, like, like it's easy. Like, we can separate quarterbacks. 
we can say that Brock Purdy will never be as good as Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar. That's fine. But we can also say that Brock Purdy is better than people like Jimmy G and Geno Smith and like guy guys like that. He's a good quarterback. And that's fine. He does exactly what the Niners need him to do, and he does it better than anyone that they have had in recent memory. Uh, so shout out for Brock Purdy for getting it done. I uh, guess I should read out his stat line in this one. It was 20 of 31, 267 yards, one TD, one interception. Also added 48 yards on the ground. Uh yeah, this this Niners team, I know. They they just they came up huge, like really. Uh and a lot of people like to blame like oh, like the Lions shot themselves in the foot more than the, more than the Niners did, but the Niners still needed to score every time they basically got the ball and they did exactly that. Uh shout out to Jawan Jennings for a couple crazy catches on third down there to essentially keep the game alive, but uh, we can really boil this game down to like one game-changing play, and it was the Ayuk catch off the helmet and then the later touchdown. And then that next Lions drive, there was kind of a mishandoff, miscue between Goff and Gibbs. Gibbs fumbles. The Niners pounce on the ball and go down score again, and it's just kind of like, okay, they're back in it immediately. Uh... So, yeah, I mean, shout-out to the Niners. Shout-out for Kyle Shanahan for kind of proving that he can win in these big moments because he has it hasn't looked good for him a lot of the time where in team or in games where his team is rather ahead or behind as they don't come back or they let teams back in. But, no, they did exactly what they needed to do. I am very happy for this Niners team. Uh, George Kittle, Trent Williams, those guys get another chance at a Super Bowl. Guys that deserve a Super Bowl. Um, yeah, I don't think I have much really to say for the Niners. Like, they fucking did it. Congratulations. Uh, Super Bowl stuff, I mean, them versus the Chiefs, we'll get into that. I mean, what? That's probably going to be a... Friday. Yeah, that'll be next Friday is when I actually preview uh, that Chiefs-Niners game. But I guess I can say this. Right now, I am leaning Chiefs... Or, sorry. I'm leaning Niners money line. I think that they're the better team. But again, I'm not stupid. Right now, I think the last time I saw the line was Chiefs plus two. I'm happy to bet that up another point and a half. So I get Chiefs plus three and a half and I get Niners money line. Because I think this is going to be a close game. And I think there will be a nice middle spot where I might hit both of my bets. But uh, we will see. And beside that, I have a nice Pat Mahomes Super Bowl MVP ticket. And I got a CMC nice Super Bowl MVP ticket. So, uh I'm looking pretty good. I'm sitting pretty pretty for the Super Bowl. Uh, l- let's talk about this Lions team, though. Uh, you had it. You had it. You were dominating them 
in the first half and with the run game. Montgomery was killing them. Gibbs was killing them. And then it all fell apart in the second half. And a lot of and a lot of people boil it down to uh, the fourth down calls made by Dan Campbell. And it's tough. I and I guess we can go to the one that every's talk that everyone's talking about, and it is the one where it would have been a forty-eight yard field goal attempt by Michael Badgley, or there was fourth and three, and they go for it, they miss it. Uh but obviously, if Dan Campbell gets it, he looks like the hero. He's a genius, and if they miss, then it's oh, he's an idiot. Blah blah blah. But the numbers and the analytics say that the Lions had a better chance at converting that fourth and three than Badgley did of having to make that 48-yard kick. Michael Badgley, not a good kicker from distance. Uh, and Dan Campbell went with his team and his guys and something that that's what Dan Campbell does. He sticks to his guns and he's full steam ahead no matter what. And it bit him in the ass. But what would have happened if Badgley lines up for that kick and he misses. Then people are like, Dan Campbell, he he pussyfooted away. He didn't want, like, he's Mr. Fourth Down. But no, they don't go it for in this crucial moment. Either way. So the media would have killed him for either decision. Um, and it's tough because we don't know if Badgley would have made that kick. An NFL kicker should be making that kick. But high stakes, high pressure. He's already not good from distance. Dan Campbell trusted his guys. And there were moments in this game where things could have been different. I mean, I mentioned the Vildor off off the helmet interception should have been an interception, but it ended up setting up a Brandon Ayuk touchdown. Uh, the Gibbs fumble, Josh Reynolds had multiple drops that would have been for first downs. Jamison Williams had a couple drops, but also shout out to Jamison Williams because he had a two, uh, two touchdown performance in this one. Um, yeah, it was just... It sucks, and it sucks. It sucks for the Lions. They they had it. It was right there for them, and it just kind of all fell away. And I guess we can talk actually before we talk about future outlooks. Uh, I got to shout out one man and one man alone. C.J. Gardner Johnson, Lions safety, was caught waving to the Niners crowd with five minutes left in the second quarter when they were up 20-7. Not a good look. Not a good look, CJ. Obviously, one of the best shit-talkers, generational shit-talkers that we have in this league, but waving goodbye with a full half of football left to play, not great. Not great and not smart. Uh, hilarious visual, and I'm sure that he will never forget that one, but uh, yeah. Also, if we're talking about Dan Campbell fourth quarter or fourth down decisions, I would have been completely, I thought when they were driving down the field to end the second half and they were in that chip shot field goal range, I thought they were going to go for the jugular and I thought they were going to go for the touchdown right then and there. I would have done that if I was Dan Campbell. And then if I would have gotten that situation late in the fourth, then I would have trusted Badgley to kick that high 48-yarder to, I guess, 
still would have been to tie the game or that would have put them down by I either way I think that that was the weird fourth down call but fourth down call by Dan Campbell uh not so much the other one but uh yeah people are going to grasp on to the other one but now we look at the Lions off season here um and it's honestly it's not so doom and gloom as people uh, would have you think they're bringing relatively everyone back. Uh, but Dan Campbell knows how tough it is to get to this spot and to try to get back to that spot too. Um, and he was honest with his guys in the locker room. He's like, this might be your only shot. Like there are teams that they go on a run and then we just don't hear from them ever again. A team like, the Panthers, a team like the, uh, why am I only thinking of the Panthers? I literally, team like the Falcons, a team like the Jags. Like these teams go on these runs and they think that they're set up so nicely for the future. And it's hard. It's hard to get back to these spots. But, uh, yeah, Dan Campbell was frank with his guys. He's like, I don't know if we will get back here. I have faith that we can get back here. And, with Ben Johnson coming back as offensive coordinator, I have a lot more faith now in the Lions that they can get back here. Uh, when you when we look at their upcoming free agents, it's really only two guys who are starters, and that's uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson and guard Jonah Jackson. A few other guys, though, uh, guard Graham Glasgow, edge Charles Harris, edge Romeo Aquara, Josh Reynolds, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Dan Skipper, Jalen Reeves-Maben, Kendall Vildor, Will Harris, uh, Emmanuel Mosley, uh, Haluapulavoti, Vitae. So they got they got some guys, but really it's Jonah Jackson and it's C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Uh, I think they got to rework Jared Goff's contract, potentially two, where they have one more year left with him and they got 50 million cap space. So they're just basically, they're running it back. They're full steam ahead. And now that with Ben Johnson back in the mix, this offense should not lose a beat. If anything, it should get better full off season of Gibbs and Monty working together full season of Laporta being the bona fide number one stud, uh, offensive line and blah, blah, blah. But, uh, speaking of Ben Johnson coming back, it's, they know he knows that they're building something and they're building something special potentially uh one more killer draft by Brad Holmes might put them in the super bowl uh i think they have four picks in the top 100 this year so we'll see what gm brad holmes can do but it's not a guarantee that this lions team is going to be a super bowl injuries can derail a season and an offense and if the offense gets derailed, maybe Ben Johnson doesn't get a head coaching opportunity or the ones that like he wants because he had opportunities and he had chances to leave. And no, he's staying in Detroit and I'm sure that he'll get a pay raise. I know that Schefter said that uh, it hasn't been disclosed that now that he's staying, if he will, but I think that the lions are going to take care of their people. And I think that Ben Johnson will get a pay raise, but uh yeah, this Lions team, it is set up well. They draft well. Bring a couple guys back, maybe revamp the secondary a little bit, and 
this defense should be rolling. Whole coaching staff back, whole roster back, few new offseason pickups. Uh, this Lions team should be very good, and I am sure that the Fords, after literally their entire existence as the owners for the Lions, have no problem writing a couple blank checks and be like, yep, you do whatever so we can circumvent the cap this year and we can go on a run because we are not losing football games anymore. Or at least not losing uh, losing badly anymore. They just want to win, and they will they will give their money away if this is their run to win a Super Bowl right now. So, uh, yeah, I think the Fords are going to be signing a lot of checks for the Lions this offseason. But, uh, yeah, that just about wraps it up uh, for this episode pretty good for only talking about two games um but yeah this chiefs chiefs niners super bowl is going to be a fun one i am still undecided on uh on what i'm actually going to talk about but yeah so i'm still going to have an episode on thursday don't actually know what i'm going to talk about then i might try to do a live mock draft with some of the boys uh we will see how that goes. Um, yeah, um, next Wednesday's episode, though, as I mentioned, I have been watching the uh, the Tens Super Bowl, so starting off with the Packers Steelers Super Bowl, and then ending with the uh, Niners Chiefs Super Bowl. So kind of fitting. I will be watching all of those. I will be talking about those games, and I will be ranking them from 1 to 10. Um, I think I'm about halfway through it right now. I am currently on to the Broncos and Panthers Super Bowl. Uh, and honestly, it's been it's been very fun watching these Super Bowls back again because I, I really started watching football. I think my first Super Bowl that I fully watched was the... Uh, Steelers Cardinals Super Bowl with the James Harrison pick six and the Santonio Holmes like the perfect catch ball couldn't have been in a better place uh Kurt Warner and Larry Fitz going on their run that was my first Super Bowl and it had me hooked immediately and now I have memories it's I'm watching these games like I remember I started off with the Packers and Steelers game and I remember having a bet when I was in middle school with one of my friends, Jack Fleming, who I don't know what the bet was. I think it was like 25 bucks, but 25 bucks when you're in middle school is like thousands of dollars. And it was like, no, I was confident on Rogers taking down Ben Roethlisberger and I was right. So uh, yeah, shout out to the memories coming back of me watching these games. Uh Get to watch a lot of Tom Brady playing, that's for damn sure, but there's a reason he is the GOAT, and I guess I'll end it there. And if you like this, please like, share, retweet, subscribe, all that fun stuff, and until next time, peace.